Well, good morning. My name is Zach Thompson, and it is a pleasure to get to worship with all of you this Sunday. Uh, I'm on staff here at Calvary. I'm normally at the Thornton campus, though. And so as we're doing this little bit of a rotation uh, to see where the campuses are same or similar or different, I thought it'd be beneficial to watch uh, last week's second uh, service recording. And I didn't realize that you guys were used to six-minute sermons. (laughs) It's going to be a little bit difficult for me today. I don't have Thomas's gift of brevity, but I promise we will get you to any of your dinner plans that you might have. <clears throat> so uh, these, these are such a great time for me as I get to go to the other campuses and share stories of what God has done in Thornton. But uh, the biggest benefit is, is the encouragement that I get to receive from all of you. The, the stories of people who've been praying for the Thornton campus since before we opened uh, just over 18 months ago. The, the stories of how people came when the building was first opened up or those who helped get the building to look like what it is right now. It, it's such an encouraging time for me uh, to, to get to hear of your faithfulness, your love for us as a campus. And, and throughout this, this, as I said, just over 18 months of us being a church, of, of the difficulty that's come with that. Planting a church is hard let alone to do so in January of 2021 and, and all the stipulations that have come after that. We've had staffing changes in this time, starts and stops here and there, and yet we've seen God at work and, and know that a big part of that is, is coming because, well, first of all, he's good and faithful, but it's coming because you're praying for us and you're caring for us and you're supporting us. And, and the benefit that we get to see at this church of the gospel going out in Thornton and Northland and the surrounding area is, is in no small part due to your encouragement and support. So I'm so grateful for that. So as I said, the benefit of getting to go to the other campuses is, is to receive some of that support. And, and maybe you don't get anything from me other than a wish for Thomas to come back. And trust me, I have that wish for you too. But uh, it, it's, such a, it's such a joy to get to be with you all. I, I was thinking about how uh, I feel so fortunate that I get to have a great relationship with my in-laws. Uh, I... My wife and I, Emily and I, got to spend uh, a week with them earlier this summer. We went up to Montana, and it was such a great week of rest and and connection. My in-laws are two of the most generous and loving people that I've ever met. Uh, In particular, I'm really close to my father-in-law. Emily's not in this service, so I feel like as we're building this relationship with each other, I can be honest with you all. I I always joke with Emily, like, oh, I married you just to be closer to to your dad. Uh, I can can admit to you all, it's not much of a joke. Uh, he's, He's just an incredible man. He's a pastor out in California, and so in these times that, that I have questions about the ministry or I, I don't know what I'm doing or I feel overwhelmed and, and unqualified to be in this position, happens about every 12 minutes or so, uh, I, I'm grateful to have Tom and Gary and Thomas and John and so many other people at Calvary that I can turn to for help and support, but I'm so grateful to also have Todd, my father-in-law, who's quick to take my phone calls, who gives me far too much uh, of his time, who's, who's so good about talking me down from metaphorical ledges. I feel so grateful to get to have this relationship with my in-laws because I know that that's not everyone's experience. That to be an in-law or to have an in-law, that, that is a difficult relationship to, ma- to maintain. And I know I'm not breaking any new ground on this one. 
uh, took Google 0.48 seconds to find 23 million pages that contained jokes about in-laws. It's a difficult relationship, which makes me all the more grateful for the one that I get to have. And yet what I receive from my in-laws, well, it pales in comparison to what Moses received from his. We're doing this, this series that we're calling Unsung Heroes, looking at those individuals in the Bible that I mean, maybe we've heard of or maybe we've never even heard of. But as we are called to be people who live lives of faith, that we have story after story in God's word for us of what that looks like. And so we want to look at these individuals that are, that are, are less uh, known to see how can we follow their example of faith. Today we're going to be learning from the example of faith that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, gives to us in Exodus chapter 18. Now, I want to catch us up to the story as we're turning to Exodus chapter 18. So God has selected for himself one nation, one group of people that, through whom he will have this special relationship with and through whom all the world might know that he is truly God, truly who he says he is. And this nation, Israel, has benefited from God's particular love and protection and care. And, and no more is this is a scene than, this is seen probably the best in the time that a famine hits this land. How will his, his early nation survive? How will they get enough to eat? Well, he provides a home for them, working throughout this process so that they can live in Egypt, the most powerful nation at the time where there's food aplenty. He cares and provides for them there. But then time passes, and then some more time passes. And all the while, Israel is growing, growing in number. And Egypt starts to look from the corner of their eye, and they look with fear at seeing the size of them. What if they turn on us? What if they realize just how large they are? What if they conquer us? Well, we cannot allow that to happen. So preemptively, Egypt enslaves Israel, forces them to do all the work that they don't want to do, treats them so harshly, and God's people call out to God for rescue. And as God is faithful and loving and he cares, he will rescue his people. He raises up a man named Moses who will go to Pharaoh and demand that he let his people go. But along the way, for whatever reason, Moses does something interesting. He sends his wife and his two sons away to Jethro, to his father-in-law. And we start to see this little picture of the character that Jethro has. We see Jethro as this man uh, this, uh, of, of good character, good standing, this man who trusts. Because think of the difficulty that must be to receive your daughter and your son, uh, your, your two grandsons back. There, there's joy there, but it's how long? Why, is, why does this need to be the case? What will the future look like as Moses goes to, against the most powerful nation at this time to demand that his people be set free? But the greatest picture of trust that we see is after Moses succeeds, well, God succeeds through Moses. The people are saved. They're going off to this place that God has put for them to live. And Jethro goes to give them back his daughter, his two grandsons. I, I just have to ask, how hard must that be to do as a parent, as a grandparent, 
this man just made himself public enemy number one to the most powerful nation in the world. And you're just going to go give them back to him? Let alone the fact that he is going to set up home. He's going to move far away to this faraway nation. This might be the last time you ever get to see your grandkids. We see the trust that Jethro has in his son-in-law. But the biggest piece comes to us at the start of Exodus 18. Let me read for us Exodus 18, verse 1. It says this, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So we hear this important piece there. He hears of all that God has done. And it's because of that, because he has heard all that God has done, that is when he goes to deliver his daughter and his grandsons back to Moses. He's a man who trusts in Moses, yes, but he trusts in what Moses, God, has done for him. His power, his provision, is upon hearing of what God has done. That is where he goes to return his daughter and his grandsons to Moses. And, and as he's going, uh, Moses comes out to greet him and he treats him honorably and then gives him even more details about what it is that God has done through him. He tells them all the stories of God's power and goodness and faithfulness. He, he would have told them about how God had, had rescued his people from Egypt, how he went up against this powerful nation, Egypt, and shown he was more powerful than them. And miracle after miracle that occurred there and, and how the people were leaving, and yet Pharaoh changed his mind and was pursuing them again. And yet God once again fought for his people and provided them out safely. How they've been walking through the wilderness and yet they haven't had to wonder where is the food coming from because God has supernaturally fed his people. They're in a desert. Deserts tend to get you a little bit dehydrated. And yet his people have been able to, to drink and have their thirst quenched even from water coming from rocks. And story after story of God miraculously working through his people. Moses tells Jethro all of this. And this is his response in verse 10. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. How, how beautiful is that phrase? Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods other gods. In hearing these stories of God's provision, God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's power, that is when Jethro says, now I know that this Lord is greater. This Lord is who he says he is. And he responds with worship, with sacrifice, with trusting in this God. This isn't the point of the passage, but doesn't this just show us as well the power of telling stories, of sharing with each other of where we have seen God at work, of who he is and what he's done. Doesn't this show us the impact that, that sharing these stories of God's work has upon us? At the end of the service today, we're going to watch a, a video of, of one of Calvary's Unsung Heroes who has worked in a variety of ministries, but in particular, who has worked in prison ministry, of helping the gospel go to those who are in prisons. 
and we don't show this video, we don't tell the story, we don't have this person share of all the places that they're working in the church and outside the church to elevate one person above anyone else or inflate one, uh, someone's ego or say, look at how great this person is. It, it is a great story, but we don't share these stories for that purpose. I came up here and I was talking about what God did through the Thornton campus. I, I don't do that to say, look at how great we are. In fact, this has often been in, in opposition to us feebly trying to resist the work God is doing, but him still working through us. We don't share these stories to elevate anyone, but to say God is working far beyond what you and I might realize. He is faithful, he is good, he is always working. And as we are in our own little worlds, we miss so much of the work that's going on around us. So in the times that we don't feel like worshiping, in the times that we wonder, is God even doing anything? We need these stories. We need to share these stories of God's faithfulness and work. What might we miss out on if we were silent about what God is doing and what he has accomplished because he uses these stories to save people, to bring people to himself. Not just the ministries, but the stories of what the ministries are doing. And he uses these stories to strengthen people's faith. We see in the life of Jethro. We see it in our lives as well. We see it in the life of this church. As I said, that's not the point of the passage, so you can have that one for free. But uh, one of the things that I, I do want to emphasize is, uh, as we've been summarizing the story of Exodus, we miss something in there. Because this response by Jethro of hearing what God has done and worshiping him, it stands in contrast to what God's people Israel have done. Israel doesn't need these stories. They saw them directly of what God has accomplished through his miracles, and yet they have had one response to God throughout. Complaint. Where is the food? Where is the water? Did God just bring us out to the desert to kill us? Things were better back when we were slaves. And yet we have this man, Jethro, who just hears of the stories of what God has done. Didn't see any of it. Hears of these stories. And he comes to faith despite being a Midianite. He's not part of God's people. He's an outsider. Despite being a priest in Midian. Did you notice that job title that was given to him? It was his job to offer sacrifices and worship on behalf of the Midianites to other gods. And yet he hears of what God has accomplished. He hears of these stories and he trusts and he follows and he puts his faith in this God. And as we look at his example, we pick up the story again in verse 13. So the next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. So the very next day, the day after Jethro puts his faith into this God, the day after he sees that the Lord is greater than all other gods, the day after he has this proclamation and worship towards this God, abandoning what he has done with his entire life to this point, offering sacrifice to other gods, now he trusts in this God exclusively. The next day we see Moses judging the people. Now, this was a very common act at the time. In fact, it was common for, for quite a while until governments became more complex. When there were disputes between people and they couldn't resolve those disputes, they would go to the leader to have them weigh in on it and, and uh, resolve that dispute. We, we see this elsewhere in the Bible. 
I think of Solomon, who uh, is, is presented with two women who both claim that this son is theirs, and, and he wisely judges to figure out who is speaking truth. We see it in just about every medieval movie that's ever existed, as the king holds court and, and solves these disputes here. But what have we said about the Israelites? These are the people who see God's tremendous works, and they complain about that. We can only imagine what type of complaints they would have towards each other. How many disputes that would occur there. His tent is too close to mine. She took my manna. It, it, it must have been like what it was for me, just solving disputes constantly as a kid's pastor. Just, you know, the people having more facial hair. And we're told what is occurring here. The passage says, from morning till evening, Moses is, is, is holding courts. He's trying to resolve these disputes. He is judging between the people. Not only is he not able to get to every case that's brought to him, he's not able to get to anything else. Moses has been called by God to be his leader over the people, to be his prophet, more importantly. This means that he is to act as the intermediary between God and the people, and all he has time to do is be the intermediary between the people and the people. He's not able to get to what it is that God has called him to do as his time is full of these disputes and judging between them. And this is where we see the faith of Jethro, who the day before trusts in this man. We already see that trust worked out in his life as faith produces in him wisdom. This is what we learn from the example of faith that Jethro gives to us. Faith produces wisdom, the ability to know and do what is right. And we see this in his interaction with Moses, who, who shows him that he is not doing what is wise. He's not doing what is right. Now, I have already acknowledged that not everyone has a great relationship with their in-laws, and I can hear you now. Oh, of course, he spends one day there, and already he thinks that he knows better. That's not what Jethro is doing. Jethro trusts in his God, and that trust, that faith that he has in him, comes out as wisdom. And he speaks with wisdom in three different ways. Through his humility, through his boldness, through his correction. Faith produces wisdom which comes out as humility, boldness, and correction. But let's look at, at Jethro's humility. And this is verse 14. It says, When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? You, you see, Jethro does not come and think that he knows better. Jethro does not come and just try to fix everything because he, he, he knows more than Moses says. No, he comes with humility. He comes with a question. He is seeking understanding. See, humility carries us so far in disputes, does it not? The thing about coming out guns blazing is it makes people defensive towards us, not willing to listen to what we have to say, and it doesn't leave much alive to actually put in place what our advice is. But humility counteracts this. Humility doesn't, doesn't force people to become defensive. It makes people more ready to hear us. And it also leaves room for us to be wrong. It also leaves room for us to be missing a piece. 
maybe we don't have the whole picture. And so if we come out just blurting out advice without knowing the whole picture, we might be giving harmful advice. But Jethro comes seeking understanding. He comes with humility. He asks the question, why are you doing things this way? Maybe there's a reason. Maybe God said it had to be this way. Maybe there is a reason why every dispute in this entire nation has to fall on one man and one man only to resolve. Maybe there's a reason. And Moses gives an answer to his father-in-law. He says, well, it has to be me. My role is to help people see God's laws and God's purposes for people. So I have to be the one that's doing this for the people. I am the leader over Israel. I have to be the one leading. And there's a part of this that's true, isn't it? God certainly has installed Moses to be the leader. God certainly has called for him to make his ways known to the people. God certainly has given him his position and power. But it seems like he's gone beyond that. That oh, there's all this leadership need for the people, but he has taken every bit of leadership for himself. And don't we see this sometimes with leaders? Don't we see this, this little bit of power that's given, this little bit of authority that's given, but then it grows and grows until they're the only ones with the power and the authority? Don't we see this with leaders, that sometimes when there's pressure to do well, pressure to lead, uh, when things are difficult, like, say, leading God's people, that pressure obscures our priorities, that we often have our eyes shift from what's most important to what's most immediate to what's most at hand to what's most annoying just so that we can get it to go away we see Moses who's been given uniquely this role from God to be the intermediary between God and the people and the people to God and yet he is not able to do that as his entire day is filled with solving disputes being a judge God has given him this position and authority, but he has slipped from that to taking on all the position and authority. And Jethro certainly does not buy Moses' answer. This is what Jethro say, says to uh, his son-in-law. This is verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. So we see Jethro come to Moses with humility as the wise thing to do, as his faith is producing wisdom inside of him. He speaks to him with humility, but it doesn't end there. He speaks to him as well with boldness. I mean, think of that phrase, what you are doing is not good. How much boldness would that have taken to say to Moses, the leader of this people, through whom he heard story after story of what God has done through this man? I mean, so I know that God just destroyed the most powerful nation through you and that he's been providing supernatural food to you in the wilderness and that uh, you, you know, people were thirsty, so he provided enough water for every single person in this nation to, to have their thirst quench, and that happened by you just hitting a rock with a stick and every other enemy that's gone against you or your people has been defeated, but, um, you know, you're wrong. Think of the boldness that that takes. But Jethro does not shy away from speaking to this man that God has so clearly worked through to point him to what is wise, to point him to what is good. 
And he takes this boldness that comes from his wisdom to speak into this man, Moses. And in that phrase, what you are doing is not good, is one that Moses must have heard hundreds of times. As the people told him that uh, he was doing things poorly or things could have been done differently or he didn't know what he was doing and he's messing up constantly. Moses must have heard what you're doing is not good so many times and yet Jethro is not like that. Jethro doesn't just say that things are not good. See, for wisdom, it's not enough to say that things are not good or that things are wrong, but it's to point to the good and better way. And Jethro does exactly that. He comes up with a plan in place for Moses to take. Now, all the while, he's not denying that Moses has been put in place and been given this authority by God. He's not negating that God has done uh, some incredible things through this man. In fact, it was hearing the stories of what God has done through this man that brought Jethro to faith the day before. But what he is saying is that Moses has slipped from what God has called him to. He's taken on too much, too much power, too much authority, too much responsibility, and he's missing what God has specifically called him to, to play the role of the judge. So he gives him a plan to do what it is that God has called him to, and we see this in verse 21. It says, moreover, look for able men, from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs, over thousands of hundreds of fifties and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter that they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easy for, easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. So Jethro gives them this plan to divvy up the load, to divvy up the people and have these chiefs over them who can solve these disputes. Any, any great case, sure, take them to Moses, but, but these, day, these cases that are taken all day long that make it so that Moses can't do what God has called him to, well, this will free him up from that. And the result of this, verse 23, uh, if you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people will go to their place in peace. Jethro essentially says, Moses, you are looking to do what God has called you to do. You are looking to do God's will. You are looking to lead these people well. You are looking to be the intermediary between God and the people and the people to God, but you can't do any of that because your time is so filled up with this other stuff that other people can be doing. You're taking too much power, too much authority to be your own, thinking it has to be you when God, does not, uh, God is not so limited to only have to work through one person. And so he gives them this plan to put in place. And, and verse 23 is so vital, it's so important, because we might read this story, we might hear of Jethro and just think, what does this have to do with his faith? Maybe he's just a wise man. He's been in a leadership position all of his life in Midian. Maybe he's just taking some of that experience that he has and, and helping Moses to, to lead better. But verse 23 shows us differently. The point of this correction, the point of this wisdom that Jethro has that he's, he's giving to his son-in-law is in verse 23. If you do this, God will direct you. He had slipped from what God has called him to. He was, ab he was uh, uh, not in what God was directing him to do, to care and lead for the people, to be a prophet as he has called them to. But God uses this man, Moses, who hears and trusts him just the day before 
to bring Moses back into what God had called him to do ultimately. And the effects of this are near instantaneous. Because Moses listens to his father-in-law because Jethro uh, was, was uh, a man who was growing in faith and that was producing wisdom in him. Moses puts this plan in place and he does end up doing what God has called him to do. Just two chapters after this in Exodus 20, he climbs up the mountain to receive from God the Ten Commandments. It's such a, a vital story, not just one that we maybe have heard of before, but it's, it's a vital story in the overall story of, of God's word to us. Because it foreshadows for us the day that we will not need God's word written on tablets, but he will write it on every heart. That we will not need people to judge between us to tell us what is right and wrong because God himself will direct us. God's law will direct us that he gives to us directly. But we miss that part. We miss that future that we're so looking forward to if we don't get this initial picture of Moses going up the mountain. And we miss that if Moses is still stuck down at the base, judging between the people. All this happens because the faith of a Midianite, an outsider, someone who's not part of God's people coming to tell and bring correction to the leader of God's people. It all happens because of the faith of a priest of Midian, someone who's, whose life has been about pointing people away from the one true God, an idolater. Or worse for some of you in here, it starts with the faith of a father-in-law. I, I want to leave us with this. As we look at this example of, of, Mo, of Jethro speaking truth into this man, uh, how might that be something that we see in our lives as well? Well, there have been far too many stories of people who say that they are doing whatever they have to do for the gospel. There are people who go far beyond what Moses has done, where they get this little bit of authority, this little bit of a power, and, and that grows and grows until they're the one with all the power. Or those who set out, probably with the best of intentions, and yet they end up doing whatever it is that they can to maintain a tight hold on their position, their power, their authority. And this leads to abuses of power, Abuses of people as that leader, the people around them, and everything gets destroyed. Maybe we've heard those stories. Fortunately, maybe we've seen that firsthand. We hear far too many stories of people doing all of this in the name of Jesus, and we hear of far too few Jethro's who have the humility and boldness to say the correct thing of what you are doing is not good. So my prayer for us as a church is that we might follow this example that's given to us. That as we see people going beyond what God has called us to, as we see people doing things that go beyond what God clearly says is right, as we see people grabbing more and more power, may we too be like Jethro to speak into that situation, to that leader. Maybe even a leader who's talking to you right now who is far too susceptible to doing that as well. Or maybe it's not in the church. Maybe it's with a spouse or a friend or, or something in the workplace that is clearly going against what God has called for us to do and be and believe. Because we might have been put in that situation for a reason. 
There's a, where might God have placed us as people of faith to offer correction, to bring, bring people back into where he is directing us, to bring people back to what are his ways? Where might God have uniquely placed you to do that? Because think of all that needed to happen for Jethro to be there that day. Moses needed to send his daughter and sons to him. All right, uh, his wife and his sons to him. Jethro needed to hear of what God has done to bring them back to Moses. He needed to hear of God's faithfulness to put his trust and faith in this God. He needed to stick around the next day to see what Moses was doing. There was a lot that needed to happen for Jethro to bring there to bring this correction to this man. Where might you be placed? Where might I be placed where God would use us to bring correction as well? Because as people of faith, as we are knowing more of who this God is and what he's done, that is producing in us faith and that produces in us wisdom, the ability to know what's right, the ability to do what's right, and with that comes the ability to call people back to what is right in God's sight. But as we do so, we follow the example that Jethro gives to us with humility, with boldness, bringing correction. Some of us in here have that humility piece down so well that we never actually get around to bringing correction. Others have no problem boldly, boldly speaking their mind, and yet they don't find people willing to put their advice into place. Jethro's example has both for us. We all are people who can go astray. You, me, Moses. And we all need people to call us back into where God is directing us. God might use you to call someone back into where God is directing them. But as we are doing so, we follow this example given to us by this father-in-law, by Jethro. We do so with humility, with boldness, as we bring correction. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful that as we seek to live for you, as we seek to live uh, in the way that you would have us live, that you have not left us in the dark. You have not left us to guess and wonder what does that look like, but you have provided us with countless stories of lives of faith, people for us to mimic and follow, people who are like us, who make mistakes, who are far, far from perfect, and yet they are following after you, the perfect God. Thank you for these examples, men like Jethro, who show us what it looks like to have faith. As we are following after you, as we are learning from you, as we are learning who you are, let us continue to grow in faith, the faith that produces in us wisdom. And as you have placed us in the places where you have, you have done so for a reason. Where we live, where we work, where we play, that is not an accident. But as people of faith in those environments, let us be looking to follow after you, to live wisely as we see people clearly going against what you would clearly have us do. Let us be bold but humble to offer correction. As we go out, let us look for those opportunities guided by your power as we live for you. So it's to you and you alone that we pray. Amen.